Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. And I'm Billy. I'm also a guy in long-term recovery. And we're here to talk about step 11 today, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, which is extremely long and will never fit in the fucking title space (laughs) for this episode. But sought through prayer and meditation. So we're seeking through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the God as we understand him. And then we're only praying for knowledge of his will for us, of God's will for us, and the power to carry that out. That's an interesting topic. Where do we even start? (laughs) (laughs) So if we think about why would we think prayer and meditation is important to people in recovery, if we're to to earth people, I mean, well, even to people in recovery, like we say, this is a spiritual, not religious program, and these sure feel like religious practices that they're now asking us to do <laughs> in our recovery program. Yeah, when you get to 11, you start to be like, did you guys trick me? Is this religion? <laughs> when do I have to start going to church? Right. Right. Is that step 13? No, that's definitely not step 13. That's, yeah, that's, the that's a different kind of worship. <laughs> How many people do you think make it to step 11 in NA? Oh, gosh. A small percentage. I don't even know. How is that even possible? Like, one out of 20. You think? One out of 20? I'm trying to think of a, a typical meeting I would go to. Yeah, maybe. I know when I got here, it used to be a lot more. They would have step meetings and they would just do a step every week. Like now, usually if there's a step meeting, it's a step a month, right. kind of like we do here. But they would have a step every week and they would just keep cycling through. And once you got past like five, <laughs> you had a shit ass time right. finding speakers. Yeah, the same like, people had to show up every. <laughs> yeah, it's like, look. This round through, you'll share eight. Next round through, you'll share ten. Like, same exact speaker. <laughs> yeah, we've had that in this area as well. So that's tricky. I mean, why, why is it that people don't make it this far? If the 12 steps are the solution and we want... So you're saying one in 20 people stay clean? I don't know. I know a lot of people that have stayed clean and never made it that far through the steps. Or really? haven't made it through the steps. Are still clean? Yeah. I know at least two that come right to mind. That have 20 plus years and have never made it through the steps. So the steps aren't the only way to stay clean. I think they help improve your quality of life. <laughs> are, th- are they happy? <laughs> are they peaceful, I joyous, serene? That. Fair enough. I guess to a normal person, to an earthling, as we like to say, this does sound like religion. This sounds like church. This sounds like what I do if I'm a Catholic or a Buddhist or I'm Jewish or, or any of the above. Oh, they're, they're going to seek through prayer and meditation? They must be a religion right now. 
I was trying to think of how else this could look. I guess my goal is for people that listen that aren't in recovery to have a way to try to manifest these steps in their life if they really wanted to. And for people who aren't religious, because we have plenty of atheists, agnostics, and any other terminology you want to use in recovery that are able to work these steps and, and find fulfillment in the spiritual principles, what kind of practices could people do that are outside of recovery that are also outside of church and religion? Because this, like you said, this step sounds just like church or religion. <laughs> I was trying to think of other things and I was like, maybe modern day yoga, like yoga seems to be a thing that a lot of people do. That's sort of a form of meditation. Yeah. And because religious organizations use some of these practices doesn't make them inherently religious. Prayer isn't synonymous to Christianity. It doesn't have to be anyway. We think of church when we think of prayer, but that's really not the only use of the word prayer. They just happen to practice it there. Same with meditation. Like meditation isn't just for Buddhists, <laughs> you know, like other, there are other ways to meditate and other people that meditate that aren't necessarily a specific religious sect. There are. But so when I walked in the door and I saw step 11 on the big board on the side of the wall, I was like, oh, that's that's the religion shit. Right. Like yeah. I instantaneously. And even when I got there, it was still hard to separate that out because I'm not a religious individual. So, I mean, you're a salesman. You're selling this to the earthling. You're saying, no, 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 this isn't religion. That's not what we're telling you. You know, prayer, meditate like people. I don't know if people are going to buy that or have an easy time taking that concept in without an outside example like yeah prayer and meditation aren't synonymous to religion but that's what we all associate it with now so what other forms i guess all the other forms of meditation that we don't consider meditation hiking yoga things you do like running is a form of meditation all these different things you do that kind of keep you in the moment and in tune with your breathing and your body Maybe that's what I, I get. I hate to use the word hipster, but I feel like this is like the hipster <laughs> movement of like, you know, being in tune. Well, all that is is people that want to say that they meditate and really don't. They want to say Ooh, burn. <laughs> that's, that's for the non-meditating people to sound like they're really spiritual. But I think it's a new age thing today to say, you know, oh, we're spiritual. We're not religious. <laughs> mm, we did that. We gave that to people. Yeah, we started it. We started it in NA, and now the rest of the hipsters want to copy. So what would a person do if they wanted to seek a conscious contact with something bigger than them, which I don't know. To me, this is God, right? To me, this is a universal power of some sort, form, or shape to a non-particular believer. I don't really know what they take out of this step, honestly. I I don't know how else to read into it that I'm seeking this bigger will for me. I get that we like to emphasize, well, the focus is basically just that you're not God and, you know, it's not all about you. And that's nice, but it doesn't really make me feel like I understand better. Yeah, and I tend to go the other way with most of the recovery attitude and say that I think most Earth people already understand that they're not the center of the universe or that there's a power greater than them in the universe. So they don't need to like actively remind themselves of that on a daily basis because <laughs> they already know that, you know what I mean? As addicts, we're the other way. We somehow, when we're not looking, slip ourselves right back into being the center of the universe all the time and forget that there's a much greater 
force at work here than just us. <laughs> I do not see Earth people <laughs> thinking of other people all that often. I'm not saying they don't. I don't necessarily mean they think of other people. I think that they don't have the total self-centeredness that we have as an addict. Mm. I tend to believe Earth people tend to consider how their actions and attitudes affect other people. Now, they might not give a shit. They might think, I don't care about those other people or or they don't matter, as you see with modern politics. Well, they don't matter because they're not the same as me. They don't try hard enough, whatever justification or rationalization they use. But they think about how the things that they're going to do affect other people. As an addict, like I tend to either not think about it or I tend to minimalize or justify what I'm going to do. So what I mean is if I'm going to use and I have kids, I think, well, my kids are never going to know. You know, mm. I don't rationally think through the full measure of like, yeah, but I'm going to spend all the money. I'm going to not be emotionally available. I'm not going to probably be physically available either. But even if I'm at the house with them, if I'm nodding out on the couch, am I really being a good parent? You know, <laughs> right. but in that moment, I'll justify it and say, well, I'm home with my kids. You know, I take care of them. <laughs> right. We have lights. You know, <laughs> why well, I'm nodding out on the couch, you know, and I think. That's where that stuff gets unique to addicts. Like we only see things from such a limited perspective. We only look at things from our point of view all the time. Yeah. And then next week I'm like, what do we need lights for? We're up during the day. We go to sleep at night. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. We're working on our primal nature. Yeah. We need to get back to the way the good old days. It's more healthy. It's more natural. (laughs) So I think for us, for addicts, this is a way that we... It's it's back to that maintenance stuff. You know, it's like we talked about with 10, like 10, 11 and 12, they always say, or the maintenance steps, you know, 10 and 11 are where I look at like my physical activities, my physical emotional condition, my emotional spirit and look at how I'm acting in my day, how I'm affecting some of the people around me. And then 11 is where I'm working on my spiritual conditioning every day or or on a regular basis. Again, this is a step that should be done pretty consistently it's not like a one and done you know or like a one and five years later we do it again kind of maybe like a fifth step or something like that it's a step that is meant to be done on a consistent regular basis yeah step 10 11 and 12 the maintenance steps unlike step zero the suboxone maintenance (laughs) step (laughs) so when we talk about prayer we look at the definition and it says to request help from or give thanks to a God. And that's generally what we think of when we talk about prayer. That's like the dictionary definition. There might have been some others. I didn't look past that one. That sounded good enough to me. I guess the the point of this step is not really to ask for help per se, or it's, it's not to ask for any specific outcomes, I guess. It's more just to ask for generalized help to do whatever it is I'm supposed to do. It's, it's almost it's a step that really says nothing. It's yeah. the worst part. It's right. like, look, we want you to pray, but don't actually pray for anything in particular. Just just pray. And then you'll get exactly what you're supposed to get. And how the fuck can you ever argue with that? Right. You can't never disprove this step. You can't say that doesn't work because whatever you got was what you're supposed to get. Yeah. And that's where some of the I would say the more woo wooey parts of the God aspects of the program turn me off mm-hmm. as a as a cynic. For me, the way I interpret like so some of this comes back to what do you think is God's will? Like what is God's will in your life? And and do you have an understanding of what that is or what it looks like, you know, what your relationship with your God is? And so for me, 
early in recovery, I think I felt like I was supposed to be good for the sake of being good. You know what I mean? Like I was supposed to not steal because stealing is bad. I was supposed to not cheat in my relationships because cheating is bad. And I did a lot of my quote unquote good behavior based on this is what I'm supposed to do to be good. So it's like sitting on your hands so that you don't do something wrong. And as I work through the steps and as I get into, you know, specifically five, six, seven, then eight, nine, I start to realize, well, shit. There's a lot of personal benefits I gain personally by doing good. I'm not just sitting on my hands for the sake of being good so I don't go to jail. You know, I can take my hands out now and and use them for good things because when I'm not doing the good things, bad things happen to me, you know, even when I'm using or not using. Like karma? Yeah, well, sort of. Well, it's consequences of actions. Uh-huh. So if I'm living a selfish life and I'm out stealing from people, I might get what I want in the moment, but there's a price that I pay for that in my spirit. You know, there's a almost a selling of my soul that happens there. And I get the immediate gratification of getting that thing that I wanted, but I'm paying a price for that. And I don't think I always recognize that. I thought it was just about getting what I wanted to make me happy. Mm. So I don't, I don't, this, and this is the parts of the, the woo woo part of the program that makes me buy all in. I'm like, <laughs> yes, everything that happens is exactly as it must be, right? Like, just as the prophecy foretold. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I like that belief system personally that exactly what happens is what I, and my life is much better when I'm able to look at it that way. I don't do this well. Honestly, because a lot of times I'm like, God damn it, we could have avoided this stupid ass mistake if I would have just done this or if somebody in my family would have just not done this. For example, yesterday we got up, we got my sons ready, we took them to their soccer game. And lo and behold, apparently my wife, uh, their soccer game from a couple weeks ago was rescheduled and she put it on the calendar on the wrong day and there was no soccer games yesterday. And so you know, felt like a huge waste of my life. I was like, what the fuck? And I wanted to be mad about it. But when we went home, what I look at as the reality is they were dressed for soccer. We ended up in the yard. We kicked the soccer ball around me and my two boys. We played a little bit. And so I look at that and say, well, it's almost like a when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade kind of thing. Right. And so the problem is we just keep looking at it as lemons. Like, life gave me an opportunity. We had a nice little car ride with some of the kids. We had a front yard playtime session with the kids. Like, what bad happened there, right? But my take on it is you wasted my time. You wasted part of my life. Like, I don't waste enough of my life all on my own, right? But now I'm bitter because somebody else did this to me. And I guess just to me, that's kind of like encompassing the 11th step. I'm given exactly what I'm supposed to be given. And if I can stay in that mindset, I'm always going to be in a pretty good place, right? Like I don't have to, it, it, it doesn't matter how the situation came to be or if it was through somebody's mistake or, or, or fallen short, the outcome is going to be exactly what I need or exactly what's good for my life. And if I can just remember that, I'm usually acting in a place that's like, oh, cool. What benefit can we make out of this little mistake? Yeah. And I think that we're kind of describing that as like two sides of the same coin. Probably. So for me, 
that same situation. It's like by practicing spiritual principles and living a spiritual life, any situation can be good and positive and beneficial. You know what I mean? Like, so that all happened. I don't necessarily look at it that like that needed to happen for you to have that experience. It's by living a spiritual life, you were able to take that situation and have it just be a positive thing in your life. And there was, and I was looking for it. I couldn't find it quick enough, but there was a, you know, one of the uh, statements in the reading of the 11 steps is it, you know, by continually practicing, you know, working on our spiritual condition, it prepares us to deal with life on a daily basis. So as problems and situations and issues show up, you know, we are spirit in a good spiritual condition to deal with it in a way that makes it a blessing. And see, I'm the exact opposite. I'm like this universal power conspiracy theorist, right? I have all these pinholes in the wall and strings tied between them. And I'm like, no, I had to go through that experience. And then when I was running around in the yard, I realized I felt a little out of shape and I haven't been working out lately. And I needed that to be part of the process to get me back to moving around so that I can live longer. Like it's all tied together in these strange and cool ways that are going to lead me to this best life somehow. And so I I think that's awesome. Like, I think that's great. You know what I mean? Like we find it's like we talk about it here. We find what works for us and, and what's, you know, what thinking helps us to get to where we need to be. There's not a right way of looking at it. It's you have a way that works very well for you and connects for you to push you, you know, to to be in the here and now to Provides be in the process. Meaning. Yeah. And I just look at the same thing in a slightly different way. <laughs> but the results are still the same. Like I need to be in a really good spiritual conditioning because I don't know what life is going to throw at me today, tomorrow, next week. And I can either choose to react in a way that's going to have shitty negative consequences or I can react in a way that's going to have loving, caring, compassionate consequences. So I think a lot of earthlings and people in recovery, too, we probably pray for things. I I don't know that we all I can picture just prayers that are full of thanks. Like I can picture people doing that. That sounds reasonable. I don't picture many people, especially outside of the 11 step recovery world. I don't picture many people sitting around going, well, I'm just going to pray for whatever's supposed to happen to me. And I'm going to get exactly what I'm supposed to get. And I'm going to pray for the strength to deal with that. Like, I don't think that's high on people's list of desires. I think they want shit. Personally, I I do. I want things. I don't just sit around and think, man, I just can't wait to get whatever I'm supposed to get. (laughs) That sounds terrible, usually. So I think, or at least I would say my experience with going to churches and organized religion is you do hear a lot of that in churches and organized religions of different faiths. Really? Oh, yeah. When I went to Catholic church, they were always, you know, praying for your politicians, praying for the leaders of the country, praying for the leaders of the church, praying, you know, for you to 
try to serve God. You know, they, they use different verbiage, but it kind of means the same thing. Well, what does it mean to serve God? It means to let go of your selfish and self-serving impulses and follow the Bible teachings, the Ten Commandments and Jesus's lessons and all of that. They just they use different verbiage to say the same kind of stuff. See, I remember in, in Catholicism, pray, like people constantly had prayers for specific things. We were praying for people to get well. We were praying for sick people. We were lighting candles for specific prayers about certain topics and things we wanted to turn out a certain way. And that just seems completely contrary to this step. This step is all about just praying for the power to deal with whatever happens, right? It's it, it's basically letting go of the outcomes altogether. Like, that's none of our goddamn business. We're just supposed to show up and be ready for what's given to us. Yeah. I, well, I would have to agree with you there because there was a lot of... Uh, praying for specific things in different churches I've been at where people will ask for healing and, and different things. But I don't think you're supposed to pray for those with an expectation. This, that's where organized religion loses me. <laughs> then why do you pray for it if you don't want it to happen? Yeah, well, I think you want it to happen, but ultimately, that again, that's the that's the parts of organized religion that I don't quite get because— you're supposed to pray for these things and ask God because he's all powerful. But then if you don't get it, you're just supposed to know that it's not what you were supposed to get and that God still loves and cares about you. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah, that I got twisted up in some of that. And in and in reading some of the chapter on step 11, it was basically like we don't want to pray for specific things because we never know if that's the right thing for us or not. So we should just avoid that altogether. Like we can be praying for a specific thing that we think is the right thing only to find out later it was a terrible idea and then have to pray to get rid of that same exact thing. Right. And you know, the big joke about the girlfriends I prayed to get and then had to pray to get rid of like, yeah, what you're saying about religion is exactly that. I think they do pray for specific things as if they know what the right thing is or they know their heart's desire at least and and that's what i think about this step when i think if you try to sell this to the average individual who who wants this like who wants just whatever we're given really like i'm supposed to wake up on tuesday and be like oh man god just give me the strength to you know deal with work today that's exactly what i wanted like nobody really wants what we are getting i guess i want it <laughs> you don't want like more? That sounds great to me. Well, I mean, I think everybody wants more, but is it easier to run around wanting a bunch of shit and being disappointed that you don't have what you think you want or just to be content in the here and now and be grateful for what you have? Like it's wanting things isn't the problem. Like what we do with our wants and desires. If I allow them become so overwhelming that that's all I'm focused on. Again, that has negative consequences in my life that aren't worth it. I mean, or at least that's the lessons I've been learning in recovery. Like, I got to be careful what I say I want. Desires aren't the problem. It's my reaction to my desires that cause the problem. It's the way that I deal with it. How do you pray and what do you want? And do you pray for any of it? I, and I try to think, I, I'm not a huge prayer person. I do pray. There's a few times that I pray of... Sometimes at night, usually a couple times a week, I'll do like a gratitude prayer, just a list of things that I'm grateful for. And that is to help me at the end of my day, just to really appreciate and be thankful for the life that I have, because it could be very different, you know, if I was using or through whatever means, just to be glad for what I have today. 
I also tend to pray before I'm asked to speak at a meeting. That's one of the few times that I pray. I will go and, and pray and ask for like to remove my ego, to remove my self-centeredness, and to just allow me to be a humble servant. You don't say the speaker's prayer? I don't know what that is. God, don't let me suck. <laughs> no, I don't say that. <laughs> I think I have once or twice. But again, for me, when I pray, it's not necessarily about asking and expecting a magical guy up in the sky to hit tap me with a wand and, and things that are above and beyond my control are going to happen. For me, I use prayer as a way of conditioning my mind or conditioning my thoughts to be in alignment with the way that I want to live and the person that I want to be. So what I mean is, you know, for the meeting thing, I could probably sort of go home and like work up a real good uh, share, a real good presentation and, and have it be interesting and exciting and rehearse it and all that. But then I feel that wouldn't be authentic to me. That wouldn't be the authentic to the person that I wanted to be. You know, what I want to do is be like, just a humble servant of whatever message needs to come out then, whatever I'm going through, whatever is happening in my life. And sometimes that means I don't do a great job. You know? mm. <laughs> sometimes that means now, do I think that that means God wanted me to suck that day and all those people needed to suffer through a rough share because I needed Apparently. a lesson to learn? <laughs> like, I just I don't look at it that way. God you knew know? you needed a break from sharing. And so nobody else was going to yeah, ask nobody's you that gonna day ask me for a while. I was too busy. <laughs> if I thought of prayer like this, if I am a person that's trying to eat healthy and I want to say, all right, I'm going to be I'm going to try to eat well throughout my day. If I get up every morning and remind myself today, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to take care of myself through my eating. I'm going to try to make good choices, you know, in my food and I'm going to try to avoid sweets or whatever. If I do that every day, I think my chances of achieving that through the day are much greater than if I just get up every morning and wing it or if I get up every morning and say fuck it I'm gonna just eat whatever I want today I don't care this episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope Inc a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery family members and allies together members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going back to the meeting thing, I pray for God to speak through me, right? That's my goal. And I do think there's some mystical universal force that does that. And so when it's a share that people tend to enjoy or get something out of, I don't feel the right to take any credit for it. I'm like, well, I, I kind of prayed to not be in the way of this. <laughs> so I won't take credit. And by the same token, 
the times when it comes out not so great, I'm like, eh, God bombed. Not me. <laughs> yeah, not my fault. Right. I don't have to take any responsibility. <laughs> right. Not my fault. Yeah. So your prayer is more about setting intentions. And and you said not on here, but before we came on that you, you don't pray for kindness and you don't feel, you know, zapped by Harry Potter's wand and you're all of a sudden kind. And I, I agree with that. I guess what I've always heard is like, if I pray for patience, I don't get patience. I get opportunities to practice being patient, right? I get situations where I have to be patient. I heard something interesting recently too, that was like, patience is not waiting. Anybody can do that. Patience is waiting in a good frame of mind or something along those lines. It's like, everybody's going to get stuck waiting at some point when you can't do anything about it. It's not the ability to wait. Everybody has that when you're forced to, it's the ability to wait and not be a dick, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and some of this, I think, is we hear that in recovery, like, oh, don't pray for patience because then you're going to get. And I I mean, it's just me personally. I don't think that's how any of that works either. I think what happens is you just become way more aware of all the situations that require your patience. And you've become aware mm. of how shitty you are at patience. <laughs> and if you'd have looked at it, two or three weeks before you started praying for that, you were probably just as intolerant and impatient in those situations as well. You just didn't notice or give a shit. <laughs> like, hmm. So by setting the intention, you now are trying to do something different. Kind of like when you buy a new car and then you see that new car all over the road, a psychological trick. Right. That- it's like a psychological thing where you're, you're now setting your intentions. And Again, praying for God's will. Like if I say, well, I'm praying for God's will in my life. Well, what does that mean? You know, I have to have a good, clear understanding of what that means for me in my life. If it's just some vague, broad notion of my understanding of God's will, then I don't know if it's very helpful. For me personally, when I say praying for God's will in my life, I have a pretty clear understanding of what that means for me. You know, I'm trying to live spiritual principles in place of my own self-centered, self-serving nature. I want to try to be patient and tolerant when the guy cuts me off in traffic or, you know, when I'm dealing with my kids or, you know, when I'm in a situation at work. So I think the reason we, again, have the steps in order and that they're written the way they are is that hopefully by the time we've gotten to 11 You know, in three, we talk about we don't even know what God's will is for us at that point. We're just surrendering our will to a power greater than ourselves, and we don't even need to know what that power is. By 11, I think we need to have a better understanding of what that is. Did you just expose the 12 steps as cognitive behavioral therapy in disguise? I don't know. Maybe. I I don't know what cognitive behavioral therapy is exactly, so. Changing your thinking to change the way you feel and perceive the world basically (laughs) i mean just by the concept of praying for god's will we're setting our brains psychologically up to look for what's god's will and by looking for what's god's will we're trying to discern what's god's will apart from our will and so it really doesn't matter who god is or what god's will is the entire act of the step is forcing us to separate out our selfish desires and look at them more frequently and oftenly and not act in them because we see them all the time. We're like, oh my God, I've acted selfish for the 12th time today and it's 8 a.m., right? Like, So just by setting ourselves up psychologically with this step, we change our behavior just by looking at it because we know that happens. If you literally write down what you eat every day, 
you will automatically change your behavior no matter what just because you're looking at it. Because you're paying attention. Yeah. yeah. So you, basically step 11 is just stop being selfish huh. by looking at it more. Oh, that was easy. Damn. I figured that out. Done. <laughs> Knocked that one out. So, well, and my favorite part of the step is the meditation part because that's, I'm going to say, fairly new to my recovery. I would say the last three to four years, um, meditation's become a huge, huge part of, you know, my regular routine and my growth as a person. I have loved the exploration into all the different kinds of meditation through different weird means. I've been exposed to different types of meditation, <laughs> which we did a whole podcast on meditation. I think it was our second or third it episode. Was it was very early on. But early on, my wife was trying to quit smoking and she came across a addiction therapy doctor. I guess I don't know if he was legitimately a doctor, but he <laughs> called himself a doctor. And he had a practice where you would go, you do a little bit of talk and therapy, whatever, and then there would be a chanting meditation. He was into all these ancient mantras that you would say that mean different things. And he would play like a soundtrack of the chanting and you would do the chants and the sounds were supposed to resonate certain oh. frequencies in your spirit. Yeah. Stuff like that, like the ohm and along with certain music and certain bells. It was pretty fascinating. I mean, I I liked it for the experience. I don't know that I felt like it was all this amazing growth. You were trying um, to relive Pink Floyd, man. Yeah. So that was an interesting exploration into some meditation. I mean, that was before I really got into a, a practice of meditation that I found that worked for me. I've also been to some like Native American sweat lodge experiences, which are quasi prayer meditation type practices where you sit inside like a little hut with some hot rocks and you go through like a ceremony where you sort of pray and then meditate and try to listen. And you do some, again, singing and chanting and, and different things. I went with you one time. You're underselling the heat here. <laughs> some hot rocks. That shit is fire. <laughs> it is. It is called a sweat lodge for a reason. You yes. sweat a lot. And then I had a sponsor who was into Tai Chi and Shambhala meditation, which is just another meditation practice. If you want to dig into that, you can look it up yourself online, probably do a way better. They would explain it way better than I ever can. But the point being, like, there are lots of different ways to meditate, lots of different ways to sort of sit down, kind of get quiet with your mind, try to sit you know, basically with yourself and explore what's going on in the here and now. I resent you. Honestly, every <laughs> time you talk about how well you're doing with staying routinely meditated, because I just have not gotten back to it yet. And I so the only thing that's worked consistently for me is routine. I mean, that's it's like exercising, you know, going to the gym in the morning. If I have to have that at it's got to be regimented into my routine. Like, that's just what I've found works for me. When I try to say, yeah, I'm going to meditate, I'll do it after work or this time or that time, like nothing's ever worked well for me except for in the morning as part of my morning routine. I also found just for myself, like you hear people, you know, they meditate for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, you know, they do these long meditation things. I don't have that fucking kind of time. 
Uh, and I've tried and I feel sometimes inadequate because I just do 10 minutes. But 10 minutes works for me and it fits into my schedule great. And it, you know, I found a guided meditation that helps. It's a 10 minute guided meditation. You can bump it up to 20 if you want. I've been doing it for like two years and I'm just like, fuck it. I'm staying at 10, you know, well, because if I add into 20, then I have to like start changing my whole routine and trying to like wake up earlier. And, it, you know, it just gets to be a lot. I, I'm not jealous of your meditation anymore. It's only half a meditation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes is only half. I'm shortcutting. Uh, Taking no. the easy way out. I yeah I wanna I wanna get I mean I think I said this a fucking year ago on our meditation I want to get back to it and I just am not committed enough I guess I have not made that move that decision to to do it I've like made that half decision a billion times and done it for like three days or four <laughs> days one week and then it's gone all over again and I don't know one of these days it's been as I've gotten older that I've been better at committing to my routines and sticking to them oh there you go i'm sold on it i got five more years yeah and i think (laughs) and i don't know maybe this is wrong or whatever but i think it's harder with younger kids too life just felt so much more hectic like now my kids are a little older Mm. so my routine is pretty regular you know it's like i can kind of go to bed about the same time i can get up about the same time i don't have a ton of different things pulling me in different directions on most days ah man with good friends like you who needs justifications i got them already (laughs) (laughs) excellent well you're still not reaping the benefits Uh, you're still suffering the consequences of not meditating i don't know that it's it's worth it and that honestly lies part of the problem is there there haven't been huge consequences from it right like yeah my brain's a little more scattered it's a little more running on its own and and runs wild at times but there's not a lot of life dissatisfaction in my life and that's kind of the problem when life was really rough for me son of a bitch i committed to meditation and it got better right like it was easy then because things weren't well and when life is pretty well it's harder to make that commitment to get that incremental increase in life quality. Like I I don't have any doubt that it would improve my life. It's just that my life is actually so good right now. It's hard to make changes to it. It's like, eh, that seems like a lot of work for an increase when it's already really good. So when you talk about incremental increases, like I would say they are minute changes that have drastic consequences. It's not like, all of a sudden, everything in my life turned into fucking flowers and chanting and greatness. <laughs> you meditate once. Your unicorn shows up out front to take you to work <laughs> right. tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's my approach to other people, like my dealings with other people, my tolerance and acceptance towards life and difficulties and challenges. The little areas, like for myself which have been huge improvements are like, say, my knee-jerk reaction to my kids. The knee-jerk reactions that I have when someone does something I don't like. You know, those were always the areas where like my emotions, specifically anger, seemed to just take over and be there before I had a chance to even think about it. You know what I mean? It It was like anger, reaction. And then thought, oh, shit, 
I shouldn't have acted that way. That was not it was a little good. Much. Yeah, that was a little over the top. You know, did I really need to throw this cup across the room because my kid spilled his fucking cereal? Right. <laughs> like, and now it's <laughs> almost the opposite. Like now I, you know, I see the thing or it it happens, and I have that moment, that brief amount of time where I don't just react. I can pause and take a breath and then react in a way that I am much happier about. And that subtle change has drastic improvements for me in my life. You just reminded me of a a premeditation moment for me, I don't know, 12 years ago, maybe nine. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I literally at the dinner table and I can't even remember what precipitated this or what happened. But I literally dumped my child's water on their fucking head. <laughs> I was, and I like, why? Why did I do right? But so, I, and I get what you're talking about. But it's like the soccer thing. I didn't say anything at first. I felt some anger, right? When I when we were driving out of the parking lot, realizing there wasn't no game, I didn't say anything. My kids mentioned some reasons why it frustrated them, and then I said, "I'm just mad." And then I stopped and I said, I'm not actually mad. I'm just a little frustrated that, you know, we came here, what seemed to be a little bit of a waste of time. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with that reaction. (laughs) Like, had I had that angry reaction or if I had that regularly in my life, I just feel like it would be so much easier to go back to the meditation and be like, oh, dude, you need something, right? And I'm not, the meditation would probably make that reaction even better. But it's just like, I'm kind of all right with the reaction honestly i don't know what i want to put in a lot of extra work and that's where i'm at that's my problem yeah life's too damn good to want to do more about it that's the problem <laughs> well and good it's, problem to have it's yeah like any of the maintenance things we do in our lives like it's hard to see the results without doing them consistently and then even as we do them we gain these in- incremental increases and we don't notice them you know, until we stop doing it and go mm. backwards, like it's weird. It's it's not like when we first got clean and stopped using, and all these great things happened like immediately. It's, yeah. it's much harder to measure the results or see the effects. But for me personally, like I just have noticed over this period of time, over this couple of years that I've been consistently putting effort, and over these couple of years, don't get me wrong, it has not been consistent throughout that whole time. It's been. All right, I meditate for, I don't know, a month or two, you know, on a daily basis. And then some things change or something happens and I kind of stop for a couple weeks. And then I'm like, well, I kind of miss doing that. I kind of, it's something that's good for me. I know it's good for me. And then I sort of take off a couple weeks or months and then I work it back in a couple weeks or months. And then it's been sporadic at times where it's just been a couple days a week. So I've been up and down. Right. I would say over the last probably year or two, I've been consistent on at least five days a week. And that's what it like. Soon as my regular weekly routine I'm is out, like I'm fucking I miss like Saturdays. I don't usually meditate on Saturdays because I don't have a set time to get up most Saturdays. And the Saturday changes week to week what we got to do or what we have going on. So occasionally on Saturdays I meditate, but most Saturdays I don't because I'm not on a routine. It doesn't fit into what I want to do. You know, it's like, it's not something that I actively am like, yeah, I can't wait to meditate because when I'm done, I feel great. It's, (laughs) it's like 
you know, brushing my teeth. Like it's just a thing that I know I need to do because it's good for me and I just do it because it's part of my routine. So we've addressed, you know, we meditate or we pray for only knowledge of God's will for us, you know, and, and not for outcomes. What about the other part of the prayer, the power to carry it out? So we're asking for the ability to deal with whatever we decide God's will is for us. How do you how do you address that in your prayer life? So in reference to prayer, I personally read this out of our literature and found it kind of was like, yeah, that's pretty useful because it I feel like it takes out a little bit of the woo-woo aspects of prayer. It says, prayer is communicating our concerns to a power greater than ourselves. Sometimes when we pray, a remarkable thing happens. We find the means, ways, and energies to perform tasks far beyond our capabilities. We grasp the limitless strength provided for us through our daily prayer and surrender, as long as we keep faith and renew it. So like what I kind of took from that was I've had the experience in recovery where I've heard sayings 50, 100 times in meetings throughout years. And then all of a sudden something happens in my life and it's like a light bulb goes off or or something clicks and it's like, oh, that's what that means. You know, oh, now that I'm in this situation in my life, a power greater than myself, which is meetings, recovery, you know, the group has given me some information that I didn't even know was going to be useful. But now I'm at this point in my life and now this information is useful. Like it it now makes sense and it's now applicable to what I'm doing. And I guess through a consistent surrendering of my will, my own, like I got to figure everything out on my own. I'm the smartest person I know by seeking information outside of my own best thinking. I put myself in a place where I'm willing to listen. Interesting. So I obviously our you know, takes on it are different for our, our different higher powers. I take this as literally, you know, asking for the magic stick to be shaken my way and, and <laughs> give me the power to deal with it, which I guess more practically looks like help me to know I'm not alone in my life and that we're going to get through this. And I think from a, a not believer perspective, that could be useful too, right? Just the, the remembering that like, I'm not all by myself ever in anything, whether it's uh, a loving higher power that I choose to believe in or whether that's the group of people that I've surrounded myself with in recovery. I'm never actually alone. And together with this support system I've built, I can get through this. And so I, I don't know. That's how I look at the power to carry it out. It's more just like I'm not alone and we can, you know, we've gotten through some tough things before. I don't want to forget that. So the whole this too shall pass, even though nobody wants to hear that in the moment. Yeah. And I don't know why recently, like I've had these analogies with like for me, because I'm constantly exploring like my ideas behind my higher power and what that means for me and what it looks like. And so I was thinking recently of if I thought of like my higher power and the way that it works in my life, it would be similar to like the wind, like nature, like the wind is a power that's greater than me. I don't get to control it. It's out there. It does what it does. And I can choose to work with it like you would with a sailboat and figure out, oh, if I do this in this situation, it pushes me where I want to go or I can fight against it and try to like row upstream against the wind and find that I'm like doing no fucking good at all. And 
through this process of recovery, that's what I'm learning to do with my higher power. It's like, how do I take this force that's happening in the world, this force that's happening in life, and use it to push me in the direction that I want to go instead of paddling upstream against the fucking wind? Hmm. Very useful if you're going to fly a kite. (laughs) (laughs) We can do the same thing with the sun. You know, the sun Ah. is a great tool that you know, we need for life. Without the sun, we would all fucking die, you know, and I can use the sun to grow vegetables and be healthy and get my vitamin D and all that good stuff. Or I can use the sun to take a magnifying glass and fucking catch the woods on fire. You yeah. know, it's I can these powers that are out there aren't all good or all bad or or e- they're not either. Really, they're just powers out there that are greater than me. And I through this process of recovery and and seeking help from other people, find the way to best use them in my life to grow to be the person that I want to be. That was way too profound for this podcast. (laughs) I'm a believer in the sun god. I like it. (laughs) So let's get into some of our quotes that we have here. One of the ones I pulled out, and these are from the basic text. Our spiritual condition is the basis for a successful recovery that offers unlimited growth. I guess that brought to mind for me, if the solution is an improved spiritual condition, if that's the solution to the disease of addiction, an improved spiritual condition, does that mean that addiction is a disease of the spirit? And I I don't know, like, is, is it a spiritual disease? I don't think doctors would say that. They talk about the biology of it or the neurobiology of it. And we say that diabetes is a disease of the physical body. So is addiction a disease of the spiritual body or like a soul disease if spiritual means fix it well in our first step it talks about it as being physical mental and spiritual so it's all three Hmm. you know and so like for me when i'm in my ideal you know condition in recovery is working on all three of those i'm working on my physical body through exercise and health and doing good things i'm working on my spiritual conditioning through you know, prayer and meditation or whatever spiritual practices I might find that work in my life. And then I'm working on the mental aspects of my disease through step work and meetings and the, you know, whatever you want to call it, therapy that comes with talking about my problems and and that sort of thing. Do you think any two of those work without the other? Like, could you do mental and physical without the spiritual? Or is spiritual like the key that holds them all together? Well, I... It depends on what you mean by success in recovery. So I think the spiritual condition is what leads me to be a totally self-centered person. Mm. So I can maintain abstinence from drugs and still go out and do some really self-centered, cruddy shit. And I might be okay with that. You know, maybe that's whatever, stealing from my job or cheating on my wife or and I'll justify and rationalize it through whatever, you know, thinking I have. But. I might not use. So I'll be a healthy, smart asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure you know some of them that have been around meetings forever that don't seem to be doing much work. Stop talking about me. (laughs) Well, I don't want to be that fucking guy. You know, if that's what 20 plus years looks like, I don't want to be him. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you. I know a couple of them. (laughs) I might have been that guy at some point in (laughs) time. Oh, I'm sure I've been that guy at times. Uh, The next quote. By surrendering control, we gain a far greater power. What in the hell does that mean? The first thing that jumps out is control is like an illusion. So maybe we think we have this power of control, but honestly, we really don't. So we don't really have a power. So we're surrendering 
the power that we thought we had that we really don't. So anything we get after that is going to be a greater power than that because it's real. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, that ties back into the going with the flow of things in life kind of thing. It's like if I just adapt and go with the flow of things in life rather than fight against them, it's way easier. You know, instead of trying to swim upstream all the time, I just swim downstream. It's, uh, you know, it's way easier. It's way less difficult. <laughs> yeah. So if you, your destination in your head is set and it's upstream, you've been working your whole life against that, right? So when you surrender that control and surrender the outcomes, which it talks about in this step, like not worrying about the outcome, maybe we decide, all right, my destination is wherever the hell downstream it takes me. Then the power we gain is, is peace and serenity. And, you know, like you said, the ability to just go with the flow and end up where we end up, not where we thought we had to be. Right. And it's, you know, it's with parenting or anything, you know, if I have a idea like my kids need to go to college and they need to go to this school and they need to do this career and all that. And I push them to do that. I mean, I might even be able to get them to do that. I might be able to make them do what I want them to do, you know, but what is the cost that comes along with that? You know, what's is that really what I want out of my relationship with my kids, that they just become some product of what I think they should be or that they just become the best people that they can be. There are definitely days I want the first. <laughs> okay, so here's the purpose. The purpose of the 11th step is to increase our awareness of that power and to improve our ability to use it as a source of strength in our new lives. This reminds me of kind of what you said about the 11th step of prayer, increasing awareness. Like just knowing my focus and my intention for the day. I don't know. That's that's how it sounds to me. Like it's almost like they kind of knew what they were doing too. Like they knew they were getting around the fact, well, yeah, we'll hide this in prayer and meditation. Really, we just want to change your mind to think about good stuff. Think, yeah. think good thoughts. That's what step 11, we sought to think good thoughts. <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, the the problem for me becomes all the time that I think so when I was using, I felt like life was supposed to be just this happy, great, wonderful time. And there's supposed to be no suffering and no difficulty and no challenges. Hedonism. And, yeah. And and that's what I thought, you know, living a good life meant me just doing what I wanted all the time and getting whatever good things I was supposed to get consistently. And that's that's not reality, you know, for anyone. And I still today with time clean can fall into that place where I expect that life is supposed to be easy, that everybody's supposed to do what I want them to do, yes. that my kids should just be a certain way at this point. I think I've raised them good enough. They should fucking know by now yes. how they're supposed to act. Or you know, <laughs> my job, everybody there should know exactly what they're supposed to do. And, you know, when they don't, it's and there's a I have to remind myself that like I don't get to control the outcomes of the world. That, I'm salivating just thinking about this plan. Yeah, I love right. it. Right. And that, you know, I fall short of my own expectations. People fall short of my expectations. Life is life. And, you know, just being sort of present in the here and now is so much easier than fighting for this control or having it be what I think it's supposed to be. 
I want all those good things that I'm supposed to get, like you mentioned, and all the good things I'm not supposed to get. I want them all. Just all the good things. And the problem's not the wanting of the good things. The wanting of the good things is fine. It's the ways and means we go about getting those good things that becomes the problem. It's my disappointment in not getting those good things that becomes my problem. (laughs) Or my sense of entitlement. Yes. I earned it. The image of the kind of person that we would like to be is a fleeting glimpse of God's will for us. Often our outlook is so limited that we can only see our immediate wants and needs. I think we just talked about that. There's the old saying, if you wrote down what you wanted out of recovery when you got here, you would have sold yourself so short on what you gained over time if you stay around um, and, and put the work in. That's what this reminds me of, the fleeting glimpse. Like the image I had of what I wanted out of a 12-step program and recovery when I got here was so limited compared to what I've gained already. And there's still so much room for improvement and and, and more to gain for the peace and, and inner love and absence of inner turmoil that I used to have. Like, I can't imagine only getting what I wanted in the beginning. Yeah, right. right. Or that idea that I think I know what I want or what's mm. good for me. Yes. You know? And even now, like with my life, if I won the lottery tomorrow well i don't play the lottery but my wife yeah. does so maybe she'll win <laughs> and she'll share it with me i hope. I keep thinking i'll win and i don't play either <laughs> but uh you know if i won the lottery that doesn't mean i'd be like oh i don't want any of this money i'm just gonna give it all away and keep living like i'm living like that's nah, probably not i'm gonna get myself a nice house and some fun toys and all that but it's you know what what importance does that have in my life now? You know, I'd really like to have one of those new, you know, Corvettes that 2020 ZR6, you know, it's a beautiful car. It's awesome. I would love to have one. Having that desire is not a problem for me. You know, it's, am I now like hoarding all my money and, and becoming obsessed with it and putting the need, the want of a car ahead of the needs of my family? You know, those are the things that get us into trouble from now on there's going to be some changes around here we're only having dinner four nights a week (laughs) we're eating ramen noodles (laughs) every day it is easy to slip back into our old ways to ensure our continued growth and recovery we have to learn to maintain our lives on a spiritually sound basis god will not force his goodness on us but we will receive it if we ask so first of all obviously yes if i slip back into old ways constantly i feel like that is the hallmark of recovery is the constant slippage back into some old frame of mind i generally hope that it's like a a a five steps forwards four steps back like i don't go all the way back right but it does seem to be constantly that i fall into these old behavior patterns when i'm not vigilant on a daily basis and i think that we've talked about that a, a billion times but i god will not force his goodness on us but we will receive it if we ask that's an interesting concept and i would Love to hear your opinion on it. Yeah. So the first part of that, I mean, obviously, that's where those maintenance steps come in. You know, the 10, 11, 12. That's why they aren't just ideas that sound good. Like, yeah, now I'm been clean all this time and I formally worked a 10th step. So now I'm done. It's like the ideas 10, 11 and 12 are ones that we consistently apply on a regular basis to keep us in position to receive whatever God's grace or whatever you want to call it it reminds me of one of those things like when the undercover officer the old belief that like if you ask somebody if they were a cop they had to say yes like (laughs) and how dumb that was i asked you have to give it to me this is like a new harry potter law like you can't shake the magic stick at somebody unless they want you to 
Like they have to ask first, or or you have to ask a vampire to enter your house. Like, yeah, I won't let these good things in unless you, unless huh. you ask me. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's humility, I guess, or a dependence on a higher power. Huh. Maybe it's probably a profound way to say basically, like you ain't gonna get none of this if you ain't looking for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got to be looking for the right things in order to find it. Right. Like I guess if we're not asking for help or outside input we probably still think we have all the answers yeah and so it's not going to get forced upon upon us we're not just going to all of a sudden mysteriously want it well isn't that i mean that's almost like what we say about recovery anyway it's like it's not for people that need it it's for people that want it you know you don't get it if you don't do the work you don't stay clean well most people i can't say anybody there's probably some people that have stayed clean on sheer willpower but most people won't stay clean if they don't put in the work. Oh, that's the old one. Now it's it's not for people who need it or for people who want it. It's for people who do it. No. That's the hardcore one. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Take it, they go, you know, everybody's got to go one step further. Ten years from now, it'll have like six different ones beyond that. When we finally get our own selfish motives out of the way, we begin to find a peace that we never imagined possible. Enforced morality lacks the power that comes to us when we choose to live a spiritual life. Most of us pray when we are hurting. We learn that if we pray regularly, we won't be hurting as often or as intensely. Yeah, and I think that ties back into what my comparison to like sitting on my hands, you know, trying to be good. Like that's forced morality. Like I'm only being good and doing this because you told me to, not because my heart and my desire is in it. And through the work that I do through the previous steps, I hopefully, I don't know for anyone else, for me, I gained some insights into why living a spiritual life was in line with my morals and values and the person that I wanted to be. Hmm. And through that, I gained like a sense of like that, like now I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm proud of the person that I am today because I'm living by morals and values that are my own that I have discovered through this process. They weren't determined for me by my previous sponsors or by some chairperson at a meeting. You know, it was I got to do some work and figure out what things were most important for me. Yeah, it's hard to remember. I think that life changes feel weird no matter if they're good or bad. Like I, I generally associated, especially before I got here or when I first got here, like change is bad. And so when I started doing things that were healthy for my life, whether that's eating regularly, brushing my teeth, going to work every day, I was like, this shit feels so awkward, right? But over time, I find that it's really in tune with what I like and what makes me feel good later. Kind of like what you're talking about. Like it, just because I'm doing the right thing at first, it doesn't always seem like I'm doing it for the right reasons. And I might not be, but over time I might find that, oh man, I I really do like the way this feels. It just felt so weird at first. Yeah. And there's a balancing act there. And that's where I think the support of other people, a sponsor or people in our support group kind of helps us to understand or, or keep us in line with, we should be doing the right things you know, obviously, so we like stay out of jail or aren't hurting our kids or our family or our jobs. Like those are definitely good things to do for very practical reasons. But then there are some other things that I might need some help with, you know, that are or that are a little more subtle. Let's take, you know, like an eating thing. Like maybe for a while I go through a period where I'm like, you know, I think it's really important that I eat healthy and, and do this, take care of myself. 
And then other times I might go back to the where it's like, you know what? It's not that important. My eating isn't really that much for like for me personally, my eating isn't that much of an issue. I'm not a big person that struggles with my weight or has some overwhelming health issues that I need to correct my eating. It's really a subtle thing in my life that I want to improve on. And so sometimes I'm okay with just being like, hey, I'm just going to eat kind of maybe not so great for a little while because I'm working on some other things and I'm doing some other stuff right now and I feel okay with what I'm doing in these areas. But I need constant reinforcements or I don't know if reinforcements is the right word. I need constant guidance to check my motives, to check why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, am I just eating shitty because... I'm lazy and I want to, you know, not take care of myself or or do I really have some reasons why I don't have to be so hard on myself for the way I'm eating? Are are there good reasons for eating shitty? (laughs) I need to hear these too so I can use them later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shitty is a general term for I think I eat when I eat what I consider bad, that's probably better than half the people would normally eat. (laughs) And that's not a I mean, that's just I don't eat. A lot of processed or refined foods Mm. just in general. I don't I don't like them that much, really. But I'll eat at McDonald's or I'll eat, you know, dessert. I'm a sucker for sweets. That's where Uh. I fall. And so so that'd be like an area where I say, okay, so is it really that bad if I eat ice cream once a day? I don't really eat a bunch of other sweets during the day. So is it really fucking killing me if I eat a small bowl of ice cream, you know, every day? Probably not, you know, probably not. Interesting. Yeah. So, but again, maybe it is. And and it's important for me to figure out what my values are or what my beliefs are and make sure that they're healthy and in line with what I say they are. Because I will also, you know, again, with that self-centeredness in there, revert back to like, well, I'm just going to do what's easy and feels good and fuck whatever my values are because they're inconvenient at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) We know that if we pray for God's will, we will receive what is best for us, regardless of what we think. This knowledge is based on our belief and experience as recovering addicts. I really was thrown for a loop on this. I couldn't wait to bring this one in here. This is like for smart people, a difficult one for sure. (laughs) I'm like, really? Somebody really know better than me what is good for me? (laughs) And it's, I, I think, extremely hard for anybody in a situation where you want something a lot, right? If you really are looking for an outcome in your life, I really want this job. This is what my dream job. This Mm. is my dream house. How do you accept? And is it just the remembering that will get what's best for us? Like this, I don't know. This is easy for me as a guy who says the universe is going to give me what's best for me to learn and grow and process my life and experience life before I die and all this stuff. For somebody that's not spiritual or or not (laughs) doesn't have a higher power per se i don't know how to fuck you wrap your head around this one I, I just really don't i'm like i just what i just trust that life gives me what's best and so I, i'm gonna you've mentioned this on here so i'll bring it up molestation like how the fuck do you frame this quote around that right so that's where most of like i would say that saying for me almost doesn't apply or I just look at the whole situation completely different. Like I look at it as if I am spiritually in a good place or spiritually in a condition that I am happy with where I'm living by my morals and values, 
doesn't fucking matter what job I'm at or what house I have or what car I have. Like none of those things are overly important. None of those things really matter. I don't think that there is a power out there that's giving me things or taking things from me or molesting my kids or letting me win the lottery. Like those things just happen in life. I believe they're sort of, I mean, again, maybe not the job or the car. There's obviously things I got to do to get those things, but I don't think there's some, like I, that's not how my higher power works in my life. It just doesn't. So that whole statement is kind of like, I don't know if I can agree, not agree with it. I mean, if you live that way, that's fine, but it does, it's not applicable for me. So you would just strike out the whole, we're going to get what's best for us. Yeah, I get what I get. And whether it's best for me or not depends on how I choose to respond to it. Hmm. So maybe it has nothing to do with the actual things we get, but just our response to it could make it ideal for our life. Right. Huh. Yeah. That doesn't sound anything like how they sold this step to me. (laughs) (laughs) Prayer takes practice, and we should remind ourselves that skilled people were not born with their skills. It took lots of effort on their part to develop them. I put this in here just because that's one of the huge quotes we use all the time, that skilled people aren't born with their skills, and I love it. I think it's applicable. I've said it to my kids a billion times when they say they're not good at something. I'm like, Heart surgeons did not come out of the womb, right? <laughs> right? Like performing heart surgery. Like these things take time. I I remind myself this, you know, I'm going to be going and doing therapy in the near, near future, hopefully. And it's like, I don't plan to be, even though my brain tells me, oh, you're going to be the best, right? Like I'm not going to be the best therapist on day one. It's going to take years and years of learning and seeing people and, and that kind of thing. And so skilled people aren't born with their skills it takes time to hone these things yeah and figuring out how it works for us you know i've had years of time where i've prayed for things and prayed obviously there was times where i went to church and and was heavily involved in a church and so i prayed in accordance with how they teach you to pray Mm -hmm. and so i've done all these different things and again i don't think that it was right or wrong for me at that time in my life it was exactly the place I needed to be or, you know, exactly the experience I needed to have to grow and to to learn and to change. But over time, I've figured out what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Yeah, and I, I think that's important, just figuring out and, and practicing, right? It's the same thing we just talked about a minute ago. Things feel weird. The first time I prayed out loud or, or in my head or by myself, when it wasn't a part of a religious experience, which is what I was introduced to in my my youth. But when I came in recovery and first tried to pray, it felt so fucking awkward and weird and odd. Same thing when I first tried to look in the mirror because my therapist said, oh, go say nice things to yourself in the mirror. I was mm-hmm. like, this feels so fucking stupid, right? But through doing it over time, it did become more natural and, and got meaning to it. And so don't give up just because it feels awkward or or strange or you're unsure of how it's going to just do it. Just try it and do it and stick with it and see what happens. Yeah. And and different people find that, like say, through that continual practice, they find what's most comfortable for them. You know, I've heard people say like, so being raised Catholic, you know, your prayers are almost written out for you there's a certain way you're supposed to pray and you approach god with Mm. all this reverence and you know humility and i'm such a piece of shit and (laughs) 
other people I've heard say that they pray and they talk to God just like he's a friend or they're, you know, they cuss when they pray or whatever else. And that's just their relationship with their higher power. But through working on that relationship through prayer, like you said, it might be awkward or weird in the beginning till you figure out, you know, what's best for you. Yeah. Last one. We become willing to let other people be who they are without having to pass judgment on them. And this was a, I put this in here for judgmental reasons, honestly, completely. I was just thinking of all the, the political stuff on Facebook, all the people I see in recovery that are bashing and hating on other types of people for either having different beliefs or thinking different things. And this can go either way. It's not about any particular group whatsoever, but just are you working an 11 step? Like, are you, are you living steps in your life? Like, have you gotten off the path? Do you need to be refocused? Do you need more prayer and meditation on a daily basis to seek God's will for you? Because I come from a judgy place, but honestly, this is entirely for me too, because I'm a judgy dude, right? Like, am I not doing enough prayer and meditation if I'm thinking other people got it wrong or that their whole character is terrible just because they have a certain set of beliefs that differ from mine. Why can't I just allow them to believe that? I know it's hard for me and I have my reasons and my justifications why I say I can't just allow them to have that belief because it's this or that or the other, but why? Like it's generally not hurting me. Yeah, that's taken a lot of years. And again, I can only attribute it to meditation. The <sighs> meditation part for me has allowed me to to not care so much. But in that process, too, I've also taken some actual active steps like the whole thing of getting on Facebook. I don't get on Facebook anymore because I, I just can't. I don't like where it puts me, you mm. know, and maybe that came from meditation of this awareness that like. I don't like the fucking way this makes me feel because right. when I get into it and I see the memes and I see the comments and, you know, the shit people say and I want to start arguing, well, that's not even fucking true. You know, that's just yeah. more lies. And and it just sucks me right in. So I have figured out that my dad came over for dinner the other night and my wife and I just said, well, we're not going to talk about politics with my dad at all. You know, we're just not. And if he brings it up, we're going to tell him we're not talking about that because he is the opposite of us in politics in right. every way. And to be honest, like I can get pretty judgy about some of that shit because I feel like it's important. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're not just talking about, you know, some there's some really important things that are, are going on in our country right now with, you know, health insurance and you know, abortion rights and whichever side of those things you land on, they're pretty important fucking things. Right. You know, those are some of the morals and values on which I've built my life. And so obviously I feel pretty strongly about them where I struggle is trying to convince everyone else that they need to be important to them. Mm. And the truth is they might not be being a compassionate person is probably not that high up on, let's say Donald Trump's list of his morals and values. I'm not saying it's not on there. It's probably on there somewhere, but it probably falls a lot lower on his list of morals and values than it would on mine. 
And that is where I have to be careful of placing judgment and saying, well, he's a worse person because he doesn't place this value as highly as I do. Mm. I think uh, it would be good for me to remember. It's kind of like when somebody sends me a link to a YouTube video, whether that be, you know, three minutes or or 20 minutes. For me, it feels like fucking homework. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For them, it was important enough that they wanted to share it with me. And so. I got to remember that when I'm judging other people about what's important to me and what's important to them when I say mine is more important, because I think we all kind of have a little bit of like what's important to us. We want to share it and we hope others agree. But I got to remember that like what's important to other people when they're sending me that video is not very important to me. And so I just need to have compassion when when what's important to me isn't important to other people. I need to be like, oh, okay, I I get that. I feel that sometimes, too. Like when people send me videos. Yeah, and we all have these things. I mean, it's like whatever, whether it's the environment or, you know, how important mm-hmm. we think that stuff is or, you know, whatever health care or compassion for other human beings or how we treat our homeless and poor people. You know, we all like have these different. And to be honest, over the years, my values in some of those areas have changed drastically, right. you know, drastically. I went from being a person who felt like, well, everybody's got the opportunity. If they don't want to work and do what they need to do, then fuck them to like, holy shit, we need to help some of these people. They're in desperate and dying conditions. And if we don't help them, we're doing an incredible disservice to our society, mm. <laughs> you know, and that could change in another couple of years too. you know, how I'm thinking or what I'm feeling at this moment, I think is supposed to be right for everyone in the world <laughs> right this moment. Right. You know? Right. And that's not even been the case for me for my whole life. So step 11 would tell me that, you know, if I find these things important, I should go vote. However, I'm going to vote. And Also, I should ask for the ability to deal with whatever the outcome is, because whatever the outcome is, whoever wins the election is going to be the best for whatever reason. I might not see it now. I might not understand it now. I might not understand it ever, which is the great way that this step allows us to never argue with it. Uh, You might never know why it happened, but it did have a reason, motherfucker, and (laughs) it's important for your life. Yeah. And again, for me, that's one of the, the greatest things about recovery is this freedom. I mean, we use these general terms of prayer and meditation, but I they are pretty vague because I think it's meant for us to figure out what's most important for us. Where do we get our values? Where do we get our morals? Where do we get our spiritual uh, con- condition or our spiritual growth from? And that's different for everybody. You know, it's not a one size fits all when we all get to the end. It's like the cult where we all have the same fucking haircut and the same outfit, you know, (laughs) trying to catch the spaceship to the. (laughs) Yeah, this is just like your physical health. If you're doing yoga five days a week, if you're running five days a week, if you're in the gym five days a week, that's important. And you do it more than once a week because you have to upkeep that physical maintenance. Same with prayer. You got to, you know, if you want to pray and meditate, you got to do these things regularly routinely i'm not saying it has to be five times a week there's no magic number whatever works for you but they have to be done regularly to upkeep our spiritual condition that's just the way it is Uh, my experience it's the way it's been for my life things don't go as well in my life internally when i don't do these regularly yeah any other thoughts about step 11 the only thing whether we keep this in or not i don't know because it kind of ties back but when we talk about like conscious contact like what does that mean conscious contact you know with a higher power like 
conscious contact. So to me, in the way we've talked about this step of just trying to bring all this to the forefront of our awareness, that's exactly what that's saying basically is we have this belief that like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm tied to God, I'm connected, but it's all in the subconscious or the unconscious. We're not actively pursuing it in the front of our minds, right? And it's through bringing all that to the front of our minds that we're really starting to examine our behaviors as we do them or before we do them. Like if I'm just living my life, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm connected to God, man. I'm gonna go out here and, oh man, I'm gonna eat that piece of cherry pie at my house that I know my wife really wants tonight anyway, because fuck that. I love cherry pie, right? But when I'm bringing that to the forefront, that conscious contact, now I'm consciously aware, okay, if I eat this, she's going to be disappointed because she already talked about eating it later, right? Maybe I can talk to her about splitting it, but like, I, I can't just go ahead and eat it because I'm, I'm not, it's going to have consequences if I do it. Right. And yeah. And I think about like conscious contact as being like, I don't know, for me, whatever reason, and I know the words aren't synonymous, but it's like daily contact, consistent mm -hmm. contact, you know, it's not, it's like a consciousness, but it's a daily consciousness, you know, right. on a regular basis. Like we all know the stories or, or know the people that are those, you know, what do they call them? Like the Sunday Christians that, you know, are good in church on Sunday when they go every week, but then they leave and they cuss out the neighbors and damage someone's property and, and live some completely different way. But when they're in church, they're the deacon and they do all the good church stuff, right. <laughs> you know, that Sunday Christian personality. For me, that's kind of how I look at the conscious contact piece. It's like, it's not just what am I doing when I'm in a meeting? What am I doing when I'm with my sponsor? It's how am I living outside of, you know, how am I living this on a daily consistent basis in my life continually? Well, that's all I got about step 11. I, I hope more than one in 20 people make it to it. Yeah, it's an amazing step. It's been one of the most beneficial for me in my later recovery, that's for sure. Yeah, I just, I mean, the whole recovery process, it, it, it felt like an accomplishment. I know we're not done when we finish 12, but it was one of the first things I got through. Like, I didn't finish shit in my life. I <laughs> right. started everything and never finished anything. And so it was really cool to get through the steps. I felt like I had achieved something and accomplished a thing. What are we going to do next year on, on the month? We're going to do tradition every month? That sounds awfully boring. Could go through the steps again. By then, hopefully, we'll have worked a bunch of the steps again. Maybe we'll have new insights. Uh, yeah, I probably forgot everything I said last week. <laughs> uh, and the, just the last thing I want to say about if you're struggling with meditation, there are plenty of apps out there. There are free ones. I know I say this all the time, but I use an app that just it's a it's got a daily meditation on it actually currently i'm using a timer one for something different because i changed up a little bit but you know these apps are great they'll set reminders for you on your phone they'll they already have the meditation set up for you uh there's free ones there's one called insight timer it's completely free it has dozens of different meditations on it you know for different types of practices that you want to do so luckily with technology today there are tons of tools that we can use to help in that area yeah get off the porn hub and on to insight timer <laughs> right. god damn it all right so uh, we thank you for listening we appreciate it please rate review share do whatever it is you do to get the word out there we're trying to promote recovery that's the ultimate goal and uh, we'll see you again next week 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.